When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Thursdays here at Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're well as you gear up for Nebraska-Purdue. A lot of high school action uh, the next couple of nights as well. Big one between Millard West and Lincoln Southwest. Some playoff implications. Uh, there's a buzz uh, around here in Lincoln anyway, for, for that one that kicks off at 7. Uh, locally, Will Wilson on that call over on KFOR. We are loaded up and want to hear from you as well. Numbers to get in at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email chris at Varsity. Dot com can also comment on the stream. StreamYard is up, and you can watch. That is that sounds creepy. StreamYard is up, and you can watch the show. Uh, ESPN Lincoln Facebook and Twitter, and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle. Follow the show. Uh, be sure to like that and follow it at H Varsity Radio. My Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio. Elijah's Twitter at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. But big game, man. Big ball game in uh, West Lafayette. As uh, maybe you caught the cross, check that, the line change. And, hey, it is monstrous uh, if you can show up and be loud in gold, right? Uh, that's what Purdue's going to try and do. Uh, we'll see if Nebraska can, can quiet the crowd. But a lot of implications for the West. And we can talk about uh, different things. What what will Nebraska do running the football? How can the defense disrupt Aiden O'Connell and this precision Purdue offense? And Jeff Brom's about as good as it gets. Colin plays all of that. We'll hear from Mickey Joseph in a little bit, his uh, final media session before the team takes off. Uh, that's on the docket. Brandon Vogel in about 20 minutes or so. He'll chime in with us this first hour in hour two. Gary Barnett will be with us. His take on Nebraska-Purdue and some insight on Matt Rule and just what's kind of what's up uh, for grabs in the West as well in the Big Ten. A college football weekend look for Coach Barnett as well. And uh, Jeremiah Searles, our favorite Husker lineman. Searles going to chime in with his keys to victory. And then Danny Burke, before he heads to Soldier Field, will give us some college football picks from Vison and the NFL pick tonight with the Bears. And Washington, may God have mercy on your soul if you are uh, going to sit and watch that. It's been a tough run of football for every Chiefs contest you get you have been uh, you've been forced to, to gut through a lot of Thursday night 
mayhem. A lot of Broncos games is what you're trying to say. Right. Broncos-esque. Locally, you get the donks on TV, and it's just tough to take. Right? You're supposed to be better with Russell. It's not the case. Nebraska's been much better with Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush. Does that carry over on the road? It did last weekend. You can't have the same type of performance. But I think the... The fear factor is something we need to talk about, right? The, the fear factor in the locker room and out on the field. And, and you've seen it through different staffs with Nebraska football. If the game goes sideways, if you face some adversity, if you run up against that proverbial brick wall, sometimes Nebraska's not been able to either climb over it or run through it. They get flattened by it, the old bug and windshield. And with Mickey Joseph and this team, I don't think we'll give our predictions tomorrow. I don't think they they will win, but I'm not counting them out that they can win. And with Mickey, uh, this team just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of fear. They're not afraid. They're not afraid to go play. They're not afraid to go make mistakes. It's been tweaked enough because of that trust and uh, they, they believe they'll be in position to do the right thing. I mean, you got to execute. But for the most part, they've been put in position. They've been coached up. They've been coached hard. And uh, they're, I think, going to go out there and just let the chips fall. And, and that's how Nebraska needs to approach this. They're, they're underdogged for a reason because of all the transition. They're underdog because of the injury situation. And they're underdog because of what Purdue can do offensively and what they've done defensively, at least against the run. Purdue's an eyelash away from probably being top 15 and and undefeated. Instead, uh, they had to get their get-right game was kind of a wow win at Minnesota. Does Nebraska have a wow win in them? This season, you don't want it to, as you look back at the end of the season, say it was Rutgers. That that was a wow that Rutgers wasn't up more points. That was a wow that Nebraska found a way. But can you have a wow win over a better opponent as you look towards the, the, the rest of the schedule? And you're still in this West race that's wide open for Nebraska. Uh, they have made it a point to be one and oh every week. Love that mentality. Uh, go into Purdue with that mindset, but also go in loose. And I think that's the one thing, Elijah, that so far under Mickey Joseph, it's not that they haven't played with passion or intensity. They have. You can play with all of those things, but you can also go play loose. And Nebraska has not played like a loose football team for a long, long time. They have the ability to do that. Saturday night, and quite honestly, the rest of the season. And you mentioned the fact that Purdue is an eyelash away from being undefeated right now, being a top 15 football team. And you're 100% correct there. They lost by four against Penn State. Uh, it was a, had it. They had it. They lost it late. Uh, some defensive, uh, or sorry, some offensive miscues really let Purdue back into that football game. Eyelash away. But also an eyelash away from being probably two and four right now. When you look at the fact that they only beat they only beat Florida Atlantic by two, they only the beat old Maryland by two. The double sword, you're saying, but, it's, it's but Maryland's sword. 
pretty good unless they fade. And I think it's a testament to Purdue, the fact that they were able to go pull out a game against Florida Atlantic when Aiden O'Connell was banged up. Uh, They were able to go pull out a a tight game against Maryland. That's a testament to what this this Purdue team is, but it's also a testament, and I guarantee Nebraska sees this watching film and sitting at home too, a testament to the fact this Purdue team is beatable. Now, am I sitting here thinking Nebraska is the team that is you know, perfectly poised to go out and beat this Purdue team? No, but I think the Huskers are going to be sitting here this week, this week of preparation, this week of practice, saying, you know what? This Purdue team is not a juggernaut. They're a beatable team in the West. They're probably not the team to beat in the West, which gives you confidence going into this. The fact that you're even with them right now in the Big Ten West standings, it's an elimination game. And from all the things I've seen from this Purdue team this season, yeah, they're a good football team. They've proven more to me this season than Nebraska's proven to me. I I can't lie about that. But you can also sit back and go, you know what? Based on the, the type of athletes that we have here at Nebraska, now the development hasn't always been there, but based on the type of athletes that we have, we should have the capability to go out there and beat this Purdue football team. It comes down to going out there and executing and cleaning up some things that you need to clean up post-Rutgers game. Uh, I look at the offensive line. I look at the defense giving you four solid quarters, and they adjusted well after the first quarter, but they got punched in the mouth early. And I'm not sure that, that this is a Purdue team that you want to be playing from behind against. So there are things that you need to clean up. You need to go establish a running game. But you can sit there as a Husker and say, you know what? We can go get this Purdue team. This is not Ohio State that we're going and playing. This is not Penn State. This is not Michigan. It's Purdue. Purdue's a good football team this year. I'm not trying to discount that, mm-hmm. but they're gettable. Very much so. And it's it's a big game because it's the next game, but it's a big game because it, it, it can separate you in the West. It can separate you to that march for six or beyond, you know, if you're a Nebraska fan. But it's also another game. So go in there, put your game plan together, and, and, and just let it, let it fly, right? Play free. And I think Mickey can, can do that. The well, team's been able to, to respond. The, the, they've been able to respond at least the last two weeks with adversity, and they found a way. Uh, you're going to be stepping up your level of competition quite a bit because Purdue's defense, I don't know, it's probably on par with Rutgers, at least statistically it is against the run. It's a different defense, but statistically on par, I can agree with it's, yeah. it's somebody that it's not going to be an easy day against. Now you flip it around, and offensively, it's, it's the best offense you'll see since OU, and that's what Whip talked about. Uh, now, when I'm judging football teams, my brother, Uncle Mark, Always reminds me, and that tape has been burnt, thank you, Elijah, about how how on the bandwagon for Oklahoma I was. Oh, man, they're a playoff team. They look Yes, they did. But things have changed, and Nebraska has stopped making everybody look like a playoff team uh, since changes have been made. Oklahoma, dumpster fire. They're, they're, they're a nightmare right now. So, you know what, Nebraska, go play loose, go play – worry-free, but but be locked in and well, put a great game plan together with some of the tools you have if you're Nebraska. Uh, there's plenty of warts. You, you got to dodge some potholes, but you can absolutely uh, use some of the guys you have that can go win some matchups for you and go, uh, go do it Saturday. And I'm excited to see where Nebraska's at with this momentum, how they handle it, and then how they go execute it 
in a big, big ball game. And one of the biggest mentality differences is something that you just said, the fact that Nebraska has been playing free over the past two games. And the question in my eyes is, are they going to continue playing free when there's more on the line? Against Indiana and against Rutgers, there wasn't all that much on the line. What was there to lose? If you lost both of those football games, Husker Nation would have said, you know what? We were expecting it. We saw that game against Oklahoma. There was nothing for Nebraska to go lose those past Look what two they've games. they've been through through this season. You know, it's, it sees it's a wasted season. No, Mickey's not let it drift there. Even if they don't win Saturday night, it makes it a lot tougher to, to finish in a good area in the West Whoa. and even get to bowl eligibility. Mm-hmm. But it's still not lost. That that. That mentality, that mindset's at least been been vocalized and, and accepted by this football team that there's still a lot to play for. And the coaching staff has made it clear both in pressers and I assume with what they're saying behind the scenes. I'm assuming those two things match up telling this, this team, you know what? The Big Ten West is still on the line. It's still up for grabs. We control our own destiny right now. And I think that the team knows that. So there is going to be added pressure when you combine that with the fact that there is a very important Big Ten West game going down earlier in the day. 11 a.m. between Minnesota and and uh, Illinois, excuse me. Whenever, I mean, I'm not expecting Huskers to be watching that game. You're focused on your game, but they got phones. They'll have the little score updates pop up on their phones to let them know what happened. You know Illinois is coming to town next week. And if, say, Illinois goes and wins that football game, you know. You need to go beat uh, Purdue to have a chance to, to control your own destiny after a game against Illinois. Is, so is there going to be added pressure on this football team saying, you know what, we got Illinois coming to town next week. They just beat a good Minnesota football team, potentially. And saying, you know what, we need this game now. Because then, it, I mean, if, if you can go 2-0 these next two and Illinois beats Minnesota, you are in the driver's seat of the Big Ten West. You're not even controlling your own destiny. Now it's yours to lose. So there is going to be added pressure depending on what happens at 11 a.m. game and just depending on how the game goes Saturday night. And, and that's why I think it's very important for this Husker football team to play free because they haven't done that over the past couple of years. We, we can say that now in hindsight. that This team, a lot of the time, played to not lose a football game. They can't revert back to their old tendencies when there's pressure on the line against a, a team like Purdue. That's not the team you want to play to not lose against because Purdue, a veteran football team, fifth-year juniors, sixth-year seniors, a veteran football team, if you're playing to not lose, that team is going to take advantage of you playing either conservatively or playing tight. One of the two. That, that's the type of team that's going to do it, and, and that, that's going to set off warning bells if early in this game Nebraska's playing to not lose. Nebraska's had a too long a history of playing tight. Mm-hmm. They have played tight for the last four years, right, except for the end of that 18 season. There's been too many moments where – uh, they have an air quote, let it rip. I think they can go let it rip Saturday night and just see where they're at. Other thing to look at, too, we, we know the importance of balance in the run game for Nebraska. And can, can Grant get some breathing room? Can, can the passing game open that up for, for this Nebraska offense? Purdue, and, and Tom Deanhart nailed it earlier in the week, it is a pressure game for Purdue. They've, they've stubbed their toe. They stubbed their toe. Um, a couple of different times this season, but one one loss isn't going to eliminate you from the West. But you can't have too many slip ups. It may be a, a, a traffic jam for who comes out on top in the West. But games against Nebraska that you're favored by thirteen and a half, you're supposed to win. You still have trips to Wisconsin to make if you're Purdue. You know, just going through the West here, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Saturday's critical. Let's not kid ourselves. But you look at Illinois, all right, they're at 
they host Minnesota this weekend, then they're at Nebraska in two weeks. Both teams have a bye. They're at Sparty, they host Purdue, Michigan, and then Northwestern. Best case scenario, if you're Illinois, you're 5-1, and one, right? You're 5-1. and one. If you're Minnesota, you've already uh, stubbed your toe against Illinois. Check that uh, against Purdue. You're at Illinois, then you're at Penn State. You're at Wisconsin to end it. You're at Nebraska. You have Iowa. That'd be a hell of a good finish if Minnesota finishes 6-1. and one. I don't see that happening. I, I don't have an optimal number to, to win the West, but best-case scenario still includes a loss for everybody. With Wisconsin, they're at Sparty. We'll see where they are. They got to uh, take on Purdue. That's at home. They're at Maryland. You know, Maryland, somebody subtly you don't want on your schedule this year. You're at Iowa, you're at Nebraska, you finish with Minnesota. That's a stretch for Wisconsin, absolutely. And then if you're Purdue, you're supposed to take care of Nebraska. Then you flip around immediately and go to Wisconsin. Tough ball game. Then you have Iowa. Then you're at Illinois. Northwestern, Indiana to finish, and who knows if... Indiana's fighting for their coach's job and it's a rivalry game, so all bets are off. Big opportunity for Nebraska. Can they cash in Saturday night? Brandon Vogel up with us next on Hale Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. About 30 minutes away, we'll spend time with Gary Barnett. Coach will check in on the college football weekend. Jeremiah Searles breaks down Purdue. Nebraska, we say hi to Brandon Vogel, managing editor from HailVarsity.com and magazine. And find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel, Dream Like a Champion, his book with John Cook, and the I-80 Preview podcast will have all the goodies on Nebraska-Purdue. Vogues, you're in, uh, you're in game mode right now. I know your Bears play tonight. Big one Saturday night. How are you? I'm doing well. And it does feel like a big one Saturday night. If you had uh, told me that after the Northwestern game, that Nebraska would be playing for first place in division going into their second bye week, uh, probably wouldn't have believed you. But here we are. And it's pretty fun. <laughs> That's code for Vogue's would have had me drug tested uh, <laughs> about, say, hey, you know, the Nebraska-Purdue game, man, it uh, could be a season definer. Is it fair to put that on this game? And this team, I think Nebraska can continue to, to play loose. I mean, at least they've been able to play confident. So there's some semblance of of not being out there and, and afraid uh, being afraid to make a, a misstep. I mean, they've they found ways. They've they've responded to adversity. They've won against two teams that aren't great. Not their fault. Just reality. Purdue's not great, but Purdue's good. And Purdue can, man, they can make people look. Uh, really bad uh, under the lights at, at Ross Aid. What what are you what are you labeling this game as? Is it is it just the next one or is it a a monster one? 
Uh, probably just the next one. I mean, it's, you know, this Nebraska season has already taken so many twists and turns that, like, it, it's hard to treat it as, as we would, you know, if Nebraska were kind of four and two, the same as Purdue and tied for first place. Like, how they've gotten there is very strange. And, and we all know that however it unfolds like a big change slash a fresh start is coming at the end of the year but they've done enough through these past two games to say well wait a second don't give up on this year yet because there's still everything to play for here and you know some of that's circumstantial with just how the west has unfolded but uh, you know i'll say this about purdue i think um i was not on board the the purdue train uh, in the off season, coming off a nine win year, and I was wrong. Like I, I thought their defense had a lot of holes to fill and would take a step back, minus their defensive coordinator from last year, and they haven't. If anything, they've gotten better, um, and that's that's pretty impressive and, and a ton of credit to Purdue. That said, you know there's still a, a bit of a curveball in the Big Ten. There are teams out there where you look at these games and and I think at least I'm like, well, if Minnesota or if Wisconsin gets the sort of game they want, it doesn't match up that well with Nebraska. If Purdue gets the sort of game they want, it's not as far from, I think the sort of game that Nebraska wants. So I think that adds a little bit of intrigue for Saturday. Well, folks, let's, let's dive into a, a Purdue preview from you just real quick, if you don't mind. And I want to ask you where you're, you're wary of Purdue. Well, what position groups, what, what guys within this Purdue team do you say, I mean, if Nebraska can't game plan for this guy or, or this group of guys, it's going to be a long night for the Huskers. Yeah, I think the big glowing and neon one for me is, well, you've got Aiden O'Connell, a six-year quarterback, and we know, you know, he's going to make good decisions the vast majority of the time. Like, counting on him to to mess something up is, is probably a losing proposition, but also, you know, at wide receiver, they have Charlie Jones, the Iowa transfer who's come in and been their go-to guy, but Purdue, and this has always been the case with them. Like if they feel they've got a mismatch or a guy who's hot at, at wide receiver, they'll go there repeatedly. And, and I think this is a big ask with Quentin Newsom's status for this game. Uh, Mickey Joseph said today that he'll travel um, but it would be a game time decision as far as his availability. Like it's a big, big ask, I think, for Nebraska's quarterbacks first and foremost, but also the safeties and the secondary as a whole. They've got to have a great tackling game, and I think that's the big one for me. Is if if Nebraska's secondary is good to great, they they've got a they've got a good shot on Saturday. If they're not, it could be sort of tough sledding. Vogues. Purdue's been a little careless with the football here the last few games. Uh, eight, uh, eight sacks, five tackles for loss. Probably way too many turnovers for, for Brahms' liking. So they've survived that. They survived it against Maryland, right? They survived in uh, a little fortuitous setup in, in Twin Cities with Ibrahim out, and you still win that one 20 to 10. So the defense did the job. If you're Nebraska's front seven, can you can you go really win this thing for Nebraska, assuming the offense plays a little bit of complimentary football for you and special teams do does what they've been doing, and that's been 
fairly solid at least, or at least not detrimental. Can can Garrett and the gang go harass this uh, this Purdue offensive line and and make it a tough day or tough night for Aiden? Yeah, I I don't know if they the front seven can win it on their own because I do think a lot of the onus is on the secondary, but they can sure get Nebraska a lot closer. And I do think, you know, <clears throat> Purdue lost, I think it's second right tackle um, in, in the previous game. And, and Jeff Brom was pretty clear about that, saying basically like we've got six guys that we feel good about right now and the younger guys behind them may not be may not be ready to go for for a little while here so they're a little bit short on the offensive line i think gave up five sacks to maryland uh you can you can count on you know interceptions happen all sorts of ways and i was talking about o'connell and he's not going to put the ball in danger a lot himself but this purdue team has been fumble prone and a little bit unlucky on that front fumbled eight times offensively so far lost six of those so that's kind of an added element that Nebraska hasn't seen a lot of. You know, Nebraska's doing pretty well in terms of interceptions and, and getting hands on the football in terms of passes defended. That said, Purdue has eight interceptions on the year, and it's still minus one on turnovers, which is a little bit surprising to see for that high of an interception number, but also a little bit surprising. To, well, maybe not, but, I mean, they're four and two. So if that – turnover number was way positive you know you might be talking about a one loss team coming into this game against nebraska so that's a big piece of it i do think they'll be able to put some pressure on o'connell and and that can help a little bit that said purdue's excellent at getting the ball out quick and and using that horizontal passing game vogel let's let's flip this around and and talk quickly about some of that the health status of, of guys in the nebraska team uh, we have Travis Vokalek, who left the game last week with an ankle injury. Sounds like that hasn't hampered him all that much this week, and I'm expecting to see him on Saturday. But then we also have uh, Luke Reimer and Quentin Newsom, both guys that are day-to-day right now, expected to be game-time decisions on Saturday, according to, to Coach Joseph. What kind of impact do, do those guys have, whether or not they play on Saturday? Uh, I mean, how much are you factoring that into your preview of this game? Yeah, I would um, I would expect Vokalek to, to be a close enough to give it a go. Um, and that's that's a big deal for Nebraska. You know, he when healthy, um, he has been a reliable option and, and kind of a, a a third option, really. I mean, you look at Nebraska's passing game so far, and it's it's a whole lot of Palmer, uh, a good amount of Washington, and then who's that third guy? And if Vokalek is is good to go, then I think he becomes that third guy. So that's important. Reimer obviously tends to be in on most plays where he's out on the field. So can't under, understate his his value there. You know, this Purdue team runs it fairly well uh, on a Purdue scale. You know, this is a team that doesn't run the ball all that well, traditionally under Brom. That said, this year's team's doing better, still not running it a ton. So that's where you'd worry about if Reimer was slowed a little bit, was maybe 85% or whatever. Um but the big one for me is is Newsom because if if he's not able to go, then you're looking at throwing out Malcolm Hartzog, a true freshman, super talented, has a bright future ahead of him. Got picked on in the first half against Rutgers, and I think a lot of teams are going to do that because that's what you do with true freshmen. And then potentially Brandon Moore stepping in. You've got Braxton Clark as well. 
but Brandon Moore, who's a veteran, but, you know, has been in and out of the lineup so far for Nebraska. So of those three, I think the biggest one for me, at least, going in this Purdue game is definitely Newsom. Vogues, uh, a thought on Mark Whipple and, and his health. Is that a concern for you, not only Saturday, but moving forward? I don't think it's a concern. I mean, you, you worry about him just, you know, personally, and he, he spoke about it pretty pretty candidly for the most part, um, which you, you, I think we've come to expect from Mark Whipple. So, you know, Nebraska's offense, I look at this and – I came into the year kind of feeling like the breakdown of how this was going to work was, you know, we're going to use Whipple's passing concepts with Frost's rushing concepts. And whether that was accurate or not, that was, I had reasons to think that was the case. Anthony Grant hasn't gotten any worse. Um, Maybe the overall level of play has gotten a little bit better over these past three games, but Nebraska's ability to run the football uh, is a glaring weakness at this point. And, and I don't put that on Grant. Like I think he's doing, doing what he can. And that might be one of the things that just slips through the cracks a little bit with, you know, Frost no longer here. We know Whipple's area of expertise and it's that passing game. So this Purdue game, because we know the Boilermakers like to throw it 40 plus times a game becomes kind of an interesting test of um, can Nebraska in this division win this way uh, without getting much from the run game. And if they get, if they get sort of the first three games production from the run game, I think they'll be in a great spot. It's just hard to foresee that happening based on what we've seen so far. Vokes with, with Purdue's tendency to throw the football, that might be Nebraska's game plan on Saturday as well. Over under three hours and 45 minutes of, uh, of game on Saturday night. Yeah, probably got to go over. Um, <laughs> Indiana was another team that we knew uh, wasn't rushing the ball all that uh, that efficiently. And uh, you had a good – at the time that Nebraska played Indiana, I think Indiana was even leading the country in passing attempts. It's come down a little bit since then. But felt like that game took at least 17 hours to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was probably under that number. But, yeah, I think we're going to be a safe bet on the over here. Brandon Vogel with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Vogue's 10 seconds. The Boilermaker is a shot of whiskey and a beer. Seabass is still waiting for the check. What whiskey are you going with for your beer, with your beer, pairing with? Um, well, walk in anywhere, I'm going to go wild turkey. Okay. If it's just like you can get it wherever you need it, it's always there. Vogue says, give me the turkey. All right, we'll have one. Vogues, take care. Thanks for the time. Thanks a lot, guys. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks to Brandon Vogel joining us here on Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Open phones here till 5. Coach Barnett joins us a shade after 5. And then Jeremiah Searles. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. So uh, do you uh, look at this Purdue game as kind of the the next game, or is it a, a make or break 
for this football team. And I don't want to go hyperbole for the for the sheer fact of putting too much on it. But to me, it does seem, listen, you, you've followed Nebraska football for a while. You've been waiting for this team to get over the hump. And a road win is no small feat last Friday night on a short week. Beating Indiana, even though you're a favorite, no small feat. What's happened the last two weeks, you should appreciate because it maybe just surprised you a little bit as a Nebraska fan. But you, you, you fast forward now to a, a Saturday night hostile environment, and you're, you're dogged here by I mean, the last time Nebraska's been underdogged this many points. You have to go back to 2005 against Colorado, right? And that was the restore the order. Let's get Corey Ross on a linebacker and slant route the buffs to death. And Billy C. did. That was the dreaded, let's throw every piece of plastic from the student section game where the, uh, the refs launched the buff student section. So that was a 17 and a half point line. Uh, this is 13 and a half right now. So it'd be kind of a whole oh, Wow, Mickey, people nationally would stop and pause and go, wow, Mickey's got him playing some ball. Mm. It'd be an attention getter, right? And you've already got your team's attention, but it's an attention getter uh, from the rest of the league, and it's attention getter for those nationally. And you'd clearly get more of that Mickey momentum, that swell of – there's your guy right now wearing the headset. And where I'm at right now with this football team is the fact that this game on Saturday is going to set the tone for what the rest of the season is going to look like. If you go out and win this football game, the rest of the season is now uh, a battle to go win the Big Ten West crown. It's, it's almost a game that's going to determine how high you're setting your sights for the rest of the season. If you lose this football game, you're at three and four. It's a dogfight to go make a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... That's what's what's at stake here is 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 this season about making a bowl game and salvaging the season or is it about finally living up to your potential and going out and battling for a Big Ten West crown? If you beat Purdue, you are in the thick of things for the Big Ten West and that should be your goal the rest of the season. Then it's not crazy for us to talk about. It still feels a little bit crazy for us to sit here and talk about Nebraska potentially being in play for a Big Ten West title. They are technically they are, but 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 it still sounds crazy because you look at who Nebraska has beaten North Dakota. Indiana and Rutgers. Those are three teams that coming into this season you were supposed to beat. Even Purdue is a team that you were supposed to beat coming into this season. You and I two season. weeks ago were talking about one of the 11. We were. Straight faces. We were. And and that's very fair. And to go, all right, you get a launching pad moment, you win at Purdue, you're, you get over that hump, right? You, really, you do. You go beat a good football team on the road – Two touchdown underdog, and you move. You really get out past that that purgatory of three and three. You're lucky as hell to be three and three right now. You are. You are, and that's what's crazy about this football game is it's it's not make or break for your season. You still have a chance to go out and go get a, a bowl appearance if you lose this football game on Saturday. But you're a lot tougher. Your chances to become Big Ten West 
champions are, are almost out the door if you go lose this football game based on what you still have on your schedule. It's not impossible, but your odds drop dramatically. And I think you have to set your sights on just getting to six and six if you lose this football game. That's what's at stake here. So I, I I'm, think, I'm not crazy enough to think here that this is like the most important game Nebraska is going to play this season, but it is going to determine how those, final, how those final five games are going to go. That's well, what it determines. And, and you, don't, you don't win Saturday night. It's going to be hard to make a bowl game. It's not impossible, but it's it's going to be difficult. That, that's where your your sights have to be set because then you only have room for error in two more football games. And if you lose to Purdue, Illinois and Minnesota both look scary, and Michigan just looks absolutely daunting. So the, there's three losses right there you can look at and go, well, is the going to get to five and seven if they lose this football game? Six and six is still in play, but I think five and seven might be more likely unless it's. You know, one of those games Nebraska loses in a walk-off field goal, then I still feel fine about Nebraska's chances at making a bowl game. I still feel optimistic. But if you go out there and lose by 13, as Vegas says, then you look at the, the, those remaining games and you're you're struggling to find three more wins. You are, and, and, and you have three big ones still coming to town. You have Illinois. Could be a night game. Could be a ranked Illinois team, still ranked. But you turn into a spoiler, trying to scratch mm-hmm. and claw to a bowl game. Or are you still playing with something that matters? Then Minnesota comes to town. You head to Michigan. You still got Wisconsin coming to town. And then you you wrap up in Iowa City. And it just, it goes, the terrain gets much, much steeper versus maybe flattening out. Still rocky because of who it is and what the strengths are, your opponents are. But now, if Nebraska gets this done Saturday night, and I'm not just talking a sweet old cover. I'm talking you go just get an outright win. Then, okay, you've done some things. One, you probably got better offensive line play. You got better protection. Somehow, some way, scheme or just flat-out grit got you 100 rushing yards. I was going to say, the key to me, if Nebraska wins this football game, not only do they need 100 rushing yards, they probably need a 100-yard rushing performance from Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant needs to go out and get 100 if Nebraska wants to win this game, or at least close. He, oh, he's, he, he he's can't have another game like Rutgers, which I'm not going to put it on him, but that's his final stat line. He can't have another game like that against Rutgers if Nebraska wants to go out and win on Saturday. No, he, he needs to hit the century mark. Uh, Nebraska's got to be plus two in turnovers. Period. I'll, I'll, period. Say, I'll say plus one. You, you definitely give yourself a great chance to win if you're plus two. No, you got to go. You got to go plus two on the road the way Purdue's been handing out the football like it's candy. And you better... You better at least get three and a half sacks and about four or five tackles for a loss. Keeping with what Maryland's done, keeping with what Minnesota did, be in that ballpark to be within a one score ball game. Numbers to get in at 466 3776. Can email. We'll get to some of those here in a little bit. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Reminder about your friends at Red Zone Tickets. Selling fun since 2001. Do you have seats you want to buy or sell? We're talking Nebraska football, Husker volleyball, NFL action. How about Creighton basketball? Want to go see a concert, theater tickets, college World Series, all there for you with Red Zone Tickets. RedZoneTickets.com. They are local. They're an amazing group of folks uh, just up the road in Omaha and an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. They are local, and uh, they are there for you with a 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll receive authentic tickets and experiences, and uh, you'll never forget those moments, right? Cross off the bucket list and create the memories. Do so with your friends 
at Red Zone Tickets. RedZoneTickets.com, where you log on and uh, get loaded up. I'll say right now, if you, if you need tickets to that Illinois game, Nebraska wins on Saturday. They're only going up. The ticket prices are only going up. Go go visit Red Zone Tickets now if you want to check out that Illinois game. Dave Matthews. That too. Boom. We'll wind down hour one. We'll take your calls coming up. Gary Barnett's 15 minutes away. Searles, next hour, Tale Varsity, presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Roadshow Friday, tomorrow back at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. We invite you out four to six, uh, maybe a special guest. I'm, it's going to be a fullback game, at least last Friday was. Joel McAvicka, we are crossing our fingers. He might be on site with us. Lars Anderson going to join us. So uh, excited for, for that tomorrow. Come see us at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, four to six. Good stuff this hour with Brandon Vogel. Paul's on the line. Paul, thanks for holding. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, dumb question because I didn't do my research. Tell me about this Purdue quarterback. How is his running ability? Well, they ran him three times a year ago on some uh, some passing down situations, and Aiden O'Connell had a surprisingly good day on the ground. He's not a not a run first guy, a, a run first, first, second or third guy. But they implemented some quarterback run, and it screwed up Nebraska's defense a year ago. But uh, that's not typically what he does. He's closer to Tom Brady than Lamar Jackson. You're not going to need to put a quarterback spy on him. And you also add in the fact that, Gotta, but he's he's not. He's not a sloth. I mean, he 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 hurt yeah. Nebraska running the ball last year. But but with how banged up he has been this season, dealing ribs, with, with yeah. some injuries or rib injury, especially, I I don't think that's going to play much of a factor in this game. I think that's what's given Nebraska the most fits in the last few years are those very mobile quarterbacks that try to set up the pass, but we just can never get any pressure on. If he's not that great a runner, will we be able to get the pressure on him? Do you think? Well, I think that was the problem against Oklahoma was the fact that Nebraska's pass rushers looked like they were trying to just box in Dylan Gabriel, keep him from beating you with the legs, make him beat you with the arm. And well, he the did tackling the on the old 61-yard uh, jaunt was no good either. Listen, you've got one of the top backs, Paul. King Daru is a game-time decision. Uh, one of their top linebackers is out. Elijah Canyon, their wide receiver, is out. So, and their starting right tackle, their second string starting right tackle, is out. So, Purdue's so what not. What you're saying is we got a chance. I would say it's okay to take the points Saturday night. <laughs> I would say Nebraska is definitely the healthier team. Yeah, well, sort. I mean, kind of. I mean, Newsom would... and Reimer. That's not exactly awesome. Yeah, but we got the mental health on them because we finally have the right mindset. Yeah, that helps. I mean, it, it's all on Purdue to keep pace in the West. Nebraska's just kind of happy to be there. But uh, stranger things, Paul. Thanks for the phone call, bud. Thanks, guys. Uh-huh. Yeah, O'Connell stung Nebraska a year ago scrambling. I mean, it was it was actually some quarterback-designed run. you got to look that box score up. Maybe that. What, what's the comp here for talking NFL quarterbacks? Maybe Aaron Rodgers. He'd rather stay in the pocket and deliver. He can definitely get outside the pocket and 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 be mobile enough to avoid some rushes. But he, I mean, you're not when you're going into this game as Nebraska, you're not game planning up like, hey, we need to make sure this guy doesn't beat us with his legs. I think if Aiden O'Connell beats you with his legs, it's better than the alternative. <laughs> right? Yeah. How are they gonna? How are they gonna get their uh, 
their numbers, right? That's that's the question here. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I know Nebraska had four turnovers. Aiden O'Connell last year, three carries for minus nine yards. Someone was smoking during it. They had some quarterback in there uh, running it. Hovarth ran 11 times. Daru ran for 17. O'Connell scrambled. Nebraska did sack him three times. So that knocks down the old rushing total. Uh, in hour two, Gary Barnett on the way. Jeremiah Searles, Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency College Football Weekend, an incredible amount of games. We welcome in the Hall of Fame coach, Gary Barnett. And coach, we, we took the plunge on getting Junior his vehicle. And uh, he he said, you know what? Coach once had an Audi. I want an Audi. So we have spoiled the little guy. Well, you sure have, man. And, of course, it had to be red. So, uh, That's what they had uh, on the lot, coach. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you, you, you were a lot kinder, gentler father than my father was. So, <laughs> But that's okay. It's okay. It's good for you. Well, uh, it's all-wheel drive, right? You'll, you'll, you'll vouch for an Audi? Yes, I will. Okay. Yep. Great cars. Great cars. Well, you know, it's red. Can you, is there still a ban on red vehicles in Boulder or no? No. <clears throat> they lifted that ban when Coach McCartney retired. So they had a major announcement. Uh, everybody could buy red red uh, shirts and you could have a red car. So, <laughs> Well, uh, red alert potentially for a lot of Big Ten West teams this weekend. I want to start off with Nebraska-Purdue coach before we dive in. And what do you think of the job Mickey's done? It was ugly Friday night, but Nebraska's won two games in a row in league for the first time since 2018. Yeah, it sort of looked like a rock fight uh, <laughs> rather than a football game. So. Um, anytime you win two games, you know, it's, it's hard to win any game. And so for Mick now to one, two, that's a, that's a feather. And, you know, it was, uh, like you said, it wasn't pretty, but defense playing with six sacks, you know, and three interceptions that that's going to win most games. And, you know, uh, they're struggling running the football, which I just didn't think they would, but they certainly are. And, uh, and penalties are killing them, but, uh, you know, they, they found a way to win, and that's what it's about. So, uh, and Rutgers is, is, you know, they're better, and they're good defensively, and they made a, made a heck of a game out of it, had a chance, but just couldn't quite get it done. Coach, what can you do to get your, your run game going? Uh, I know Whipple wants to run. They've got a really good back in Grant, and there's just not been 
development or or the ceiling hit on on the offensive line that they may reconfigure it a little bit but i know it's always been a priority of you to run the football well and everybody in the building knew that and so it was that's the way you started and uh you, you know when it's it, what it, it always comes from the top and it's whatever you get what you emphasize mm-hmm. and so uh you know mark has always been a pretty much of a <clears throat> Uh, you know, even everything's pretty even runs, passes, yardages, et cetera. And, uh, you know, some, some people don't care what it is. They're going to do what they're going to do. And so uh, it's, it, it, it's, it was a matter of emphasis and everybody who put on our uniform knew we were going to run the ball. We we're going to be physical. We did inside run, which is basically a, a, a nine-on-nine scrimmage for 10 minutes every Tuesday and Wednesday, full pad. So it's it's uh, that's how we got better, you know. And uh, we took great pride in that drill, and great everybody would gather around when we were going to do it because they knew uh, it made our defense more physical and our offense either had to get physical or we weren't going to be successful. So, But that's what we emphasized. And I, you know, you get what you emphasize, and and today's football, you don't see so much of that. And um, but that's you know, I guess I probably couldn't coach in today's football, but uh, <laughs> I could then. <laughs> Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So, is it a matter potentially of just spending more time r- running? physical drills and and I'm not at practice. I mean, I think Whip's a really good offensive coordinator, but can Nebraska be better running the ball if they spend more time at it in practice? Or do you think they well, are and they're just they're just deficient with with the line? Well, I, I, it's probably a combination. It's never one thing. You just can't turn the switch and say, "All right, we just did this one thing and it made the difference." It's it's a combination. And and players have to feel it. They have to feel that it's important. Uh, and it's got to become important to them. And then it's a combination of getting better up front. And you get better up front if you, you get more reps at it and it's emphasized. So it's, um, it, like I said, it's never one easy switch that gets thrown uh, to all of a sudden be better at running the football. Name this week uh, out there is Matt Rule, let go from Carolina and uh, did wonderful work at Baylor, also at Temple. And there's been a little resistance. There's a lot of folks in the moment with Mickey, and, and he needs everyone's support. He's done a great job. It's also a national search, so Rule's a name that's probably uh, on the radar. A thought from you on Rule. Do you think what he's done at his previous two stops in college, uh, A, are you impressed by it? B, does it translate to the Big Ten? Well, yeah, it translates to the Big Ten, absolutely. Um, let me tell you, you know how hard it is to win at Temple? Uh, and then to walk into Baylor after they had that total meltdown um, and people resigning, losing their jobs, presidents, uh, that, that that is a hard situation to walk into. And to do it, you, you better be a coach that has control and has a plan and works his plan. And so it appears, and I know Matt a little bit, um, but um the jobs, you know, to win 10 games two or three years in a row at Temple, good grief. Uh, nobody's ever done that. And then to walk into Baylor. So, yeah, whatever he's doing, it's 
you know, it's it's not just an offense or a defense. It's it's coaching, and he's he's it's going to transfer where whatever league he goes to. I guarantee you. So if he wants to do it now, he's got 40 million reasons not to do it. And, and, you know, when you're in that situation, you, you get to pick where you want to go. And it's, uh, you know what it comes down to really, Chris, it comes down to, do I want to go rebuild someplace again? Uh, is that who I am or am I tired of rebuilding? Do I want to walk in where I've got most things? And, and um, then I can just coach football. So, you know, I think he's going to have to answer that, and nobody else can answer it for him. And so it's uh, – and like I said, he doesn't have to make any decisions now. He can if he wants, but he doesn't have to. And I think Mickey's on a, a job interview, and as it should be, that Mike Sanford here is going to be on the job interview, the um, – uh, uh, the guy at Arizona State's on a job interview and doing well, and, and actually some of the interim guys have all done pretty well. So, you know, we'll just see. And it's, uh, it, it never goes the way you think it's going to go. <laughs> you, I mean, the guy might do a really good job, and everybody thinks he ought to get the job, and the, the AD's going, oh, i got to have a splash, i got to do this, sure. i got to do that. So, so it could be anything. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, to, to, what, what impresses you about Rule? You laid out the, the on-field, but to me it seems like he's a uh, pretty good connector. I mean, I was wowed with him going in and, and doing what he did recruiting-wise and Texas being a, being a Pennsylvania-slash-New York City guy. Yeah, well, you've got to be impressed with that. And, you know, I, I haven't been in – I'm trying to think if I was ever in a – I don't think I've been in a situation – uh, where he was actually coaching. So I haven't visited those schools or anything. But, y- you know, you, you, one, you just doesn't happen unless you're able to recruit and people can connect with you. So he's obviously got that uh, ability, and that's critical in, in today's world. Uh, you know, he hasn't coached in college since NIL, and um, the portals come around. So, But he's dealt with free agency. Actually, it is he hasn't dealt with it, but the people above him and and as a head coach you don't deal with free agency in the nfl very much somebody else does all that for you so he hasn't done nil and he hasn't done the the portal uh interested to see how he takes that on it's been interesting i've wanted to watch and see how he's done at the nfl because nobody from the college ranks who's gone on the nfl really has done very well very few and usually they go from really high profile jobs that are uh, have inherent, you know, uh, benefits, and they're all from high program, you know, mm-hmm. programs like Notre Dame and and uh, you know, Florida and Ohio State and those places. So they've always had advantages. But uh, Matt didn't have any advantages. He went in there, and and I was sort of hoping that he would make it in there just so to prove the college coaches could do that. But it, it appears to be, you know, the same problem from everybody, whether you come from Baylor or you come from Ohio State. It's a situation where you don't have much control. And, you know, coaches want to be in control. Do you ever think about the NFL? Did you have a chance? I did. I did have two chances. And uh, I think one of the things for me, and everybody is different, but I loved working with people 18 to 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, 
I felt like I had something to offer, and I totally got a kick out of being with them and watching them grow into uh, uh, adults. And so I, that's what made me happy. I didn't need need to be around the best players in the world. I didn't. Uh, that wasn't anything I needed to do. I didn't need to operate at the highest level of athleticism. I, I wanted to be. I was a teacher, and I wanted to be with people 18 to 22, and felt that's where my strength was. So I, I didn't. I passed on both opportunities, and um, it, it never looked back. Never thought a minute about going back, going to it. Who Who were the two places? Well, I had uh, a real good opportunity in Detroit, okay. and uh, and a good opportunity in San Diego. So it was uh, uh, just one of those things. I um, just wasn't for me, and, and that was fine. I mean, I was really happy with that. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we'll hit some rapid fire. All right, uh, it's going to be a, a maze out. Big ball game for Penn State. They've had a really good season, but kind of a statement opportunity. Michigan minus seven. What do you think about about the action in the big house? You know, I have not watched Michigan, and it's hard for me to uh, really get a good feel for them. Penn State has – they were impressive coming back and beating uh, Purdue in the opening game, I thought. You know, these are so easily matched. Penn State's been running the ball very well. Michigan's got a great run defense, 67 yards a game. I'm going to go with Michigan on this thing, even though it's seven points. I think they probably win by seven. That hmm. That's about the right spread. KU uh, is going to have to do it without uh, Jalen. OU has been reeling. Uh, minus nine, but OU's favored. Is KU in trouble? Is this a, a shake-out-of-it moment for Oklahoma? It better be, if you're talking to Sooner fans. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. I mean, I don't think you just all of a sudden fix what's been happening to you overnight. Mm-hmm. And Kansas is as good a football team as as most most teams that are good in the country. They are solid, top to bottom. They're going to play with their backup quarterback, who had a great game last week against a really good football team that that beat OU um, by 35 points. So, you know, I'm taking KU in this game to Ooh. not just cover, but I think they're going to win this game. All right. Is it uh, panic time in Tuscaloosa? This is a monster moment for Tennessee. They are dynamite. You've been on Tennessee from day one. Bama's still yep. favored minus seven. What do you think? Well, I'm taking Tennessee, and uh, I'm taking them to win, but I'm sure taking the points. And <laughs> in, in this game, this is a game Alabama doesn't really have to win. Sure. You know, they really can get to the national championship by losing this game and beating Georgia, perhaps in the in the in the game, or beating Tennessee again, whoever that becomes. So, and with the quarterback out, I don't know if he's going to play, but it looks like he's not going to play. Yeah, I just think Tennessee's got it going. They are rolling, and um, they are really good. And this game is at Tennessee. Hard place to play, mm-hmm. going to Tennessee. You uh, you sing Rocky Top at all or no? Listen, I, I have nightmares. My family has nightmares of Rocky Top. We played them in the Citrus Bowl with Peyton Manning and oh, 13 right. other draft choices, and we didn't have a draft choice. And uh, it was – we were down 21 to nothing before we even took our warm-ups off, <laughs> and we tied it up. But it was 
we heard Rocky Top until it gives me nightmares. Uh, another shade of orange. How about Illinois ranked and uh, the Gophers off of a bye? Minnesota's favorite here, minus six and a half. This is a good game. Great game. Because uh, Minnesota can run the ball, and Illinois is, I think, the best defense in the country. Um, you know, Minnesota lost their best player, but I, I think they win this game even though it's at Illinois. Mm-hmm. I think they win. I mean, they're, they're good, and uh, they're solid, and they can run the football. So I'm going to go with Minnesota in this game. Last thought, Gary Barnett with his coach. You taking the 14, or does Purdue cover? It's going to be a pretty crazy environment uh, at uh, West Lafayette under the lights, Nebraska trying for three in a row. Yeah, they're you know, Purdue's playing well. The two games they lost, they lost in the last minute of the yeah. game. And so it was, they're playing pretty well. They're not overwhelming, but they're playing pretty well. And, uh, you know, they're they're really good on defense, especially against the run, but you guys are struggling running. So, uh, you know what? I got I to gotta tell you, Purdue's going to win this game. Mm-hmm. So Purdue it is. We'll give our predictions tomorrow. Gary Barnett. Coach, have yourself a weekend. Uh, who are you guys hosting? And we're hosting Cal at noon. So, uh we're uh, we're trying to get it over with. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, we have a whole new attitude there. Everybody's firing, flying around to practice to see what happens. Coach, enjoy. We'll we'll talk again. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. We welcome in our favorite Husker lineman and longtime NFL vet, Jeremiah Searles, with this you see on the graphic at Searles71 underscore HSKR. You in the Husker den, or is that just a living room? This is the new office, you know, since Mama Bear there decided that it was time to start setting up the nursery seven months before the child is here. I got booted down to the basement. <laughs> so we're now down here in the new Searles Lair, a.k.a. agent headquarters, whatever you want to call it. Still need a lock on the door, though, because the kids can still get in. So that's the negative. <clears throat> well, any uh, any Game of Thrones posters up? Not yet. No. Soon. 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 Have, have you been Soon. watching House of the Dragon? I have. I'm, I'm very pleased. Yeah. You know, I love House of the Dragon because Game of Thrones stays true to who they are. Mm-hmm. There's death. There's all kinds of craziness. You know, the wild, the, the incest. You know, there's some <laughs> wild stuff that happens in that show, but they stay true to who they are. And I can't say the same things about Rings of Power. I just got caught up on Rings of Power last night, and it's been like just a little bit dis- underwhelming considering how much more they spent on it than House of the Dragon. It's been underwhelming. Thousand percent agree. How about Dahmer? Have you been watching the Dahmer stuff? Not yet. You know, I feel like I need to be in a little bit worse place in my life. (laughs) I'm in a good spot, Smitty. I don't need to go down that hole. Well, let's switch and talk offensive line play then. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just let's just go there. Uh, Searles, what what can happen 
Saturday night in, in Purdue for this offensive line. We've highlighted the yards per carry, and Grant's a, a good back. What, what can be done, either scheme or personnel-wise? I mean, do you expect a, a better result running the football? We have to. You know, if we want to win football games, we got to rush the ball for more than 75 yards. It's just it, to win games in the Big Ten, especially down the stretch, coming in October, coming in November, when the weather turns a little worse, you can't rely to throw it all over the yard like that. You know, you see even teams like Ohio State getting beat by Michigan last year in a snow game because Michigan ground and pounded. And Mm -hmm. if we want to win games, we have to control the clock too. You know, this is a defense. Our defense isn't necessarily built to let a team go for 70. And, you know, we just, we have to be able to run the football. Now, how that happens, I have no idea. You know, the one that I see is I keep seeing a bunch of guys rotating in there. You know, you see Bando, you see Benhart, you see Piper, you see Henley Lutovsky, you see Hunter Anthony, like, we still don't know what the best five is. And that's a scary thing going into the midpoint of the season. You know, by the midpoint of the season, you want to have your best five that have been out there, been through a lot of games and been able to gel. You know, we just haven't been able to do that. And I know the coaching change and everything, but Donovan Rayola has been there since the spring, since last year he got hired. I would hope to see that he saw those five, but also that just means that there isn't five guys that have taken the, the opportunity. I was going to ask, are there five? Do you believe there are five to six down there that can – be Big Ten good enough? I mean, I have to think so. You know, they haven't proven it to me. You know, if I had my my Drethers and I could pick my starting lineup, I think right now it would most likely be Turner Corcoran at left tackle. I think Ethan Piper, Trent Hickson, and then I think Henry Lutovsky, and then you go Hunter Anthony. You know, and the reason I go with Hunter Lutovsky is because, you know, Bando kind of is who he is. You know, Brock Bando is what he has become. He's a serviceable backup Big Ten offensive lineman in my mind. The upside with Lutovsky is what I see for, you know, you play a young player out there and you let him go out there. You're going to take your lumps with him. Obviously, you know, that's tough, but build for the future. You know, let's not pretend like we're going to go over here and go six and zero at the end of the season here and make a run at this thing. You know, we're still a growing football team. I think we can go three and three. I think that's possible, you know, but I think that you want to play the young players and develop them and give them a chance and take your lumps with them, but then know that next year they're going to come back even better. So, Rose, let's go learning lessons from the Rutgers game last week as uh, not much going on the ground, not much better in pass protection. So uh, I assume there's a lot of lessons to be learned. And I guess what I want to ask you is, do you think that this offensive line, based on what you saw last week against Rutgers, can get enough fix to at least give Anthony Grant a little bit of space? I think Anthony Grant's been making that offensive line look better than they are running the football all year long. And uh, whenever he just gets a little bit of space, he can make some magic happen. So do you think the offensive line can can improve enough from last week to at least give Anthony Grant just a little bit of space? You know, I hope so, but I'm not convinced. You know, I think that Purdue's defense is much better than people assume, and I think that we as Husker fans have to start thinking about the Purdue of old. You know, I think forever people are like, oh, we're playing Purdue. It's like, oh, well, they're a terrible football team. We're going to go beat them. You know, Purdue's a very good football team this year, and they're actually really good on the defensive side of the football. You know, so I don't necessarily know if it's as much as the offensive line opening the holes as much as throwing the ball well effectively early to get the loaded boxes away. You know, I think they're going to load the box up initially to stop Grant and stop the running game and force us to throw it. But if we can get Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington, Travis Volklek, and those guys going with the short passing game and the down the field passing game, then I think some of the run game will open up for Grant. 
Jeremiah Searles with us talking Nebraska Purdue Hale Varsity Radio at Searles 71 underscore HSKR is where you follow him on Twitter. So is that the game plan? Whips controlled passing game. You dump it off. You dink and dunk. You, you find it to, to Vokalek in the flat. You check down to, uh, to, to Grant. Uh, you find some of those crossing routes. Is that how you'd go about to putting this together is that make sense for nebraska yes you know i think that's how you have to start this game you know and as much as that pains me as an offensive lineman and the run to the run the damn ball guy in me is screaming you know that's the strength of this offense right now you know the strength of this offense is the guys on the outside it's the trey palmers the marcus washington's that have shown that they can show up in big time moments and make big time plays you know we need a go-to touchdown we throw it to trey palmer and he's able to go and make things happen you know i think that grant has been been able to be effective when he needs to be, but I haven't. He hasn't had the opportunity to go take a game over like Trey Palmer has. And I think with the emergence of Travis Vokalek coming back and being healthy, is something that's going to be a weapon. You know, you saw how well him and Casey Thompson clicked at the beginning of the year against Northwestern. He gets dinged, he misses some time, and he's still working himself back in. You saw that connection start to be rekindled last week against Rutgers. You add, I think, if you have a top three receiving threat of Marcus Washington. Trey Palmer and Travis Vokalek, it puts a lot of stress on the back end of a defense. How big a game is this? I mean, is is this the next one or is this uh, kind of a statement opportunity? You know, I think this is another statement opportunity because I can't remember the last time Nebraska won three football games in a row. I really can't. And, you know, that's terrible to say, but it's been since 2020 since we went since we won two in a row. I'd say it probably has to go back to the 2017 season that we won three in a row. And, you know, so that's something that we're going to have to figure out if we can learn how to win. You know, I talk about it all the time. To be a champion, first you have to learn how to practice. Then you have to learn how to to win. Then you have to learn how to handle winning. And then you can become a champion. You know, and right now, I think that we're learning how to practice and learning how to win. Have we learned how to handle winning? Which means have we done it to where we show up week in and week out and we take care of business during the week so that we can have those wins as we come in on Saturday? That's something this team has never had. You know, this team in five years has never had winning streaks and understood what it means to win games and how each game becomes bigger and bigger after you win that last game. So I'll be really curious to see the energy level and the execution level that this team comes out with after two big wins. Searles, you mentioned the fact that your game plan to go in and get a win is to establish that short, quick passing game early. And I want you to put your offensive coordinator hat on here for just a second and tell me how do you keep Casey Thompson protected in in a short passing game? Because Nebraska's offensive line, they've been beaten on speed moves. They've they've been overpowered. They've struggled to pick up stunts from a defensive line. So with all those things combined, if you're the offensive coordinator for Nebraska, how are you keeping Casey Thompson safe in the passing game? Yeah, you know, I'm keeping them on rhythm throws. And what I mean by that is, you know, first and 10 doesn't mean you have to go get the first down. Second and six is great. Second and five is better. You know, I think that you can get the ball can be out so quickly. And we watched Purdue do it to us last year. I mean, I watched Purdue dink and dunk us down the field with an offensive line that wasn't stellar, you know, and our, it just frustrated our pass rushers. I can remember seeing visible frustration on Garrett Nelson's face and Caleb Tanner's face and those guys because they're rushing before they're even getting their third foot in the ground. The ball is gone. You know, so for me, I think that the big thing is keeping him in rhythm in the passing game and not trying to take too many shots down the field early. Get the slants, get the hooks, get the over the RPOs going, you know, get those things that are get the ball out of his hand quickly so that you can live in front of the sticks. If you go and you're trying to go deep passes on first down or second down and now you're living in second and eight or third and nine or whatever it is, that's where the recipe for disaster comes for this offensive line. Do you have a team right now that you're looking at in the West that you'd put as a favorite is it illinois is it minnesota do you like purdue 
I like Minnesota when Mo Ibrahim's healthy. I think when Mo Ibrahim's running the football for the Gophers, they're really, really good. Now, when Mo wasn't healthy, there was a big drop off. You know, I thought Trey Potts had a good year last year, but he didn't quite have the showing um, when he got the featured back role there. But I think the bye week getting themselves healthy, you know, their defense is somewhat suspect, but gosh, the way they play the football, they just hold on to the ball. You know, they just take control of the possessions. And as long as they can keep executing and then Tanner Morgan doesn't throw interceptions, I think that they're the team to beat in the West right now. What do you think of the job Mickey has done so far? I think he's done a fantastic job. You know, I think that whenever a new coach comes in, it's up to the players and it's up to the coach to really establish a new culture. And it's really hard because you don't fix a football team in the months of October and November. You know, football teams get fixed in January, February, March. And what he's been able to do, I think, is he's been able to take those players and you can tell that Coach Joseph is coaching free. You know, he doesn't have a ton of pressure on him right now. Yes, he's job interviewing and he wants this job, but there's no overbearing pressure that he has to go out and perform like Scott had on at the beginning of the season. You know, I think there's an unspoken thing that players can feel that pressure. Players can feel that, man, if I don't go play well, man, I might get my head coach fired. Like, you know, and I think that you saw some of that anxious playing and maybe even some anxious play calling from Chenander and those guys of trying to maybe force the issue too much, where now you're seeing guys play free, you're seeing guys play fast, and you're seeing guys playing not afraid to make a mistake, but you're playing them, you're seeing them play fast and going to win. And that's what allowed that's what allowed us to win these last two games, in my opinion. I think that all comes down from how Coach Joseph is coaching and how he's embodying this team. Searles will wrap with this. Jeremiah Searles with his NFL weekend. Bills, Chiefs, uh, Joshy and company go get the win, or maybe not yet. Go Bills, baby. No, I think Joshy and company, when they are, man, when they are on, they're the best team in the NFL. I mean, I have yet to see a team in two years. I mean, really, in the, I can't remember the last time that you've had a team that's had their quarter in the regular season. And not just against slappies. I mean, Tennessee's a good football team. Pittsburgh's a good football team. And they're both Josh Allen. Everyone just chilling on the sideline, eating sunflower seeds in the fourth quarter, you know, and with the injuries that they've had on defense too, Jordan Poyer being out, Micah Hyde being out, they still don't have back their Tredavious white. You know, I think that this offense is just so special. Now on the flip side, Kansas city seems to have gotten it figured out too. You know, Travis Kelsey, four touchdowns last week, Chris Jones with the, pass interference or uh, roughing the passer you know that was just horrible but you know they've got a really solid front that they're going to try and challenge josh and you know this is a team that if they can take the passing game away from buffalo buffalo hasn't had much of a running game where you've started to see kansas city start to lean on the run game a little bit more too Searles, 15 seconds here do you think the bills make a serious run at christian mccaffrey that was rumored earlier this week I think that they'd be dumb not to. You know, I think that they need to do it because in one more year, Josh Allen's contract goes from his rookie to his extension. So that team's going to start to get picked and plucked apart because of how good they are. That's the way the NFL works. You got lightning in a bottle right now in Buffalo. I think that they might make a run at it. Jeremiah Searles with us as uh, he breaks down some NFL at, of course, Nebraska at Searles, 71 underscore HSKR. Searles, thanks for the time. Absolutely, guys. Go Big Red. There he is, Jeremiah Searles. His thoughts on Nebraska-Purdue, how Nebraska can get it done Saturday. VEASAN Sports Network's Danny Burke. Burke's best bets on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity. Time for Best Bets with Danny Burke from Vizen. 
at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Catch him uh, on the weekends with Vizen Sports Network and the Danny Burke Podcast. Pride of Chicago, how we doing? I'm doing good, Schmitty. You know, we got a, a beautiful game of football to look forward to tonight, so <laughs> couldn't be more excited, my man. Danny Burke will be on location at Soldier Field. <laughs> For uh, that throwdown between Washington and Chicago, we'll get your take on Thursday night football in a moment, but let's get into some college football. A couple of big Big Ten games. We'll get to Nebraska as well, but Illinois, Minnesota, man, who wants pole position for the West? Uh, this is kind of absurd. Like, when I was typing out this game for one of our write-ups, Schmitty, I'm like, I, I never would have envisioned myself talking about a ranked Illinois team coming into this season. But here we are. Uh, college football has been wonky, to say the least. Uh, Minnesota, their start to the season really isn't too shocking. I, I think they were certainly the dark horse to come out on top of the West, if you want to call them that, coming into this year, because I didn't have any hope with Minnesota. And even though Nebraska was next in line, you, you kind of knew in the back of your head what Nebraska could be capable of on the bad side of things that – uh, that has unfortunately come to fruition. But, look, I like Minnesota in this game, guys. I, I like him because I still have a lot of faith in this team. You're getting your star running back, Ibrahim, back in the mix. And Illinois, I think it's going to be kind of a snapback to reality for them. I mean, they really haven't played the stiffest of competitions coming into this game. And I, I think that's why Minnesota is really going to be the ultimate test for them. And I'm not saying that for Minnesota it's going to be a walk through the park. Like, no, Illinois – it's had a really good defense, limiting their opponents to just eight points per game. But again, Petrus, Graham Mertz, Iowa, Wisconsin, what's the difference? There isn't any. They both didn't score over 10 points, and they both have crap offenses. So now you get a Minnesota offense that's averaging almost 39 points per game. Kind of an uncharacteristic performance when they took on Purdue. But now not only are they going to be ticked off coming after that game, they've had a week to prepare for this Illinois team. And it's not like in that Memorial Stadium, it's a great home crowd environment, even though they're ranked. So I laid six with Minnesota. I'm not envisioning this to be a sweat-free bet. I think it's going to absolutely come down to the wire. But I do think the Gophers take care of business and put Illinois back in their place. And now we're going to be talking and shifting the conversation toward the Golden Gophers. So you like Goldie. Uh, makes sense with their experience. How about Penn State, it's been a while since they've had a, well, a statement win. They get a chance at the Big House Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily expecting them to get the upset here, but this was kind of a bet just based on the number. It's at the key number of seven, and I just don't see why anyone would be rushing to lay that with Michigan. What has Michigan done to show you they can be relied upon right now? Like, yeah, they ended up beating Indiana 31-10, to 10, but it really took a while for them to open the floodgates in that game. And Indiana is really, really bad. And even at Iowa, it was a little bit too close for comfort. Maryland arguably should have won if you, you know, didn't have that fumble in the kickoff to start the game. So Penn State, obviously, knowing they at least just need to keep this close. Or prob- I mean, again, when you look at realistic expectations, no, you're not going to win this game. But if they can, comp- uh, if they can com- keep it competitive, like that's going to help them down the road in terms of bowl games and you know, all those other things. But Penn State offensively has actually been better than I thought they would, averaging about 35 points per game. Clifford having one of his better years. And even though Auburn hasn't turned out to be anything, guys, I mean, the fact that they went there on the road and won 41-12, that tells me a lot about this Penn State team and what they were able to do against Purdue, even though it was a close game. So I'm not expecting the Nittany Lions to win, 
but I like them catching seven here because Michigan's offense is seeming to be really one-dimensional right now. McCarthy has been taking a while to get after it, and yeah, Michigan's always going to have their solid defense, but they haven't. They've clearly lost a step considering the players they lost last year. So I think getting seven points with Penn State's a little too much, and I'll take that with the Nittany Lions. Danny, before we get to some NFL, let's go to a game that's flown a little under the radar, and that's because it's going down out west. USC and Utah. I mean, USC might be the quietest college football playoff contender I've seen in a while. Uh, they've been playing really well this season, their first year under Lincoln Riley. As for Utah, they dropped one against Florida, and they've been perfect ever since then. Utah's a three-and-a-half-point home favorite against USC. What do you like there? Yeah, well, I mean, Utah, you know, they're going to be ticked off themselves coming into this game after losing at UCLA and kind of a couple of uncharacteristic turnovers uh, on the side of Utah offensively with rising. So I think they'll be ready to kind of light it up in this game because this is going to be the first test for USC's defense. Now, yeah, they've been a fun team to watch. They've gotten off to a nice 6-0 start, and the offense is averaging 40 per game as well as Utah's. But, like, again, that's expected when you bring in a guy like Lincoln Riley and you bring in a great quarterback like Caleb Williams. So that doesn't shock me. But, again, like, their defense has faced Stanford, Fresno State, Oregon State, Arizona State, Washington State. Like, no duh that their stats look good and that their defense is feeling great about themselves because they haven't faced anybody worth a damn on the offensive side of the ball. Now Utah, a team that will need to get this win to keep their aspirations in the postseason alive, they will be ready to go prime time at home at night. This is going to be a wake-up call for USC's defense. I'd lay three with Utah if it's at three in the hook. I'm not really a fan of it, to be honest. I wouldn't go over three with Utah. Maybe at that point, wait for an in-game situation. But I do think this is a great bounce-back spot for the youth. And USC, as fun as they have been up to this point, again, their defense will get exposed in this game. You taking the points or laying the points, 13-and-a-half Nebraska-Purdue? Man, I, I've seen the tip 14, and at 14, <laughs> how do you not take it with Nebraska? I'm sorry. I mean, like, I get that Aiden O'Connell and Purdue are capable of being an air raid offense, but just because they throw the ball a lot doesn't mean they've been doing it successfully. But maybe they can against this Nebraska secondary. I mean, I get why the sentiment is completely gone toward the side of Purdue, especially on the road. I, like, I'm fully not expecting Nebraska to win this game, guys. I mean, they should. Right. I mean, based on if you if you ask us how this game was going to go with the reg, uh, before the season, our expectations were a lot higher. But you've seen the defense be a mess. You've seen the offense have good possessions here and there. If you think Nebraska can put the uh, put together consistently solid offensive possessions and it's not three and outs and taking sacks, then they will absolutely cover fourteen. And the back door for sure is wide open. I just don't know if I want to have to sweat out Nebraska catching fourteen again. They should be capable of, I mean, if they can't keep up with Purdue in 14 points, what the hell are we doing at this point in the season? But I think for my mental health, I got to stay away from this spread, guys. <laughs> Danny, 60 seconds here, Thursday night football, Bears and Commanders. It's a pick em. Look, the Bears have a finite amount of spots where they could win games. I thought that going into the season, and I think that now. It was an iffy game, but I've never had hope in Carson Wentz after his surgery, and or his injury, and clearly his head coach Ron Rivera doesn't either. He said their issues revolve around the quarterback. Like, yeah, what'd you expect when you bring in Carson Wentz? The Bears showed improvement in the second half with Minnesota. It gets he's smart enough to let Fields throw the ball right out of the gate. 
The Bears will win this game. Carson Wentz will have a crucial turnover, and Chicago will get another dub under their belt. So I took Bears at the pick and price, and I also took Montgomery over 14.5 receiving yards, minus 110. Fields has been loving to utilize him. He got like 60 receiving yards last game. Keep it simple, throw the ball, and he can throw those short screens and dump off to Montgomery, and I think that's a recipe to a Bears win. Danny Burke with us from Vizen. Danny, have a good weekend. Thanks for the time. You got it, gentlemen. You too. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday reminder, Hail Varsity Club is where we are at tomorrow, 4 to 6. Come see us if you're in La Vista between Cabela's and Embassy Suites just off of uh, the interstate. Four to six roadie Friday, getting you ready for Purdue and Nebraska Saturday. So burgers, beers, wings. Elijah and I took down the pretzel and some fried green beans and some onion fettles. Last Friday for the Nebraska Rutgers game, had some hail ale, which was absolutely tremendous. And I, I keep coming, that, that was the bang bang sauce? Yes. Oh, phenomenal. So the bang bang sauce was all sorts of taste. I mean, it exploded, man. It was uh, it was it was spicy, but it was also kind of ranchy. I'd describe it like a a spicy ranch, but it's got another certain zing in there as well that I couldn't put my finger on. It's wonderful. So get the monster pretzel. You'll thank us later. And. do your thing Saturday for Nebraska Purdue and pop on over before uh, high school action as well. Brady Altman's will be with us tomorrow as he'll be in West Lafayette. Lars Anderson get his take on Nebraska and of course Bama Tennessee and we are anticipating a fullback sighting. Nebraska needs to take one with him to West Lafayette but uh, uh, one of the best fullbacks ever uh, Joel Makovica hoping to catch up with him. Uh, got a 50-50. Maybe is the word. And then Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, the professor. Connor Clark is going to be in Purdue. So we may check in with Connor as well. You're stuck back here. I'm stuck back here, but it's okay. I might be biased, but that sounds like a hell of a radio show. So, like, I, I can't be that mad. I mean, whenever I get to wake up and take my dog on a walk and then show up for work and come in here and produce a hell of a radio show. I can't be upset. Hey, fun show today. Big thanks to Mm. Searles. Great insight. Barnett was money. As always, Brandon Vogel's fantastic. And then Danny Burke with the VEASAN Sports Network. So, reminder to get buckled up. Hands on the wheel, eyes in mind. Straight ahead, the driver has one job. That's just to drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. We invite you to check the podcast out. We always appreciate the interaction during the live show, 4 to 6, phones, emails, and, of course, StreamYard. But podcast, a great way to catch us as well. And that is Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Ale Varsity Radio and Uh, For sure, check out the YouTube channel where the show is streamed and then video is posted. And check out all your favorite Herd Ad shows. Just a a wonderful lineup of action. And uh, Brandon Vogel's 
I-80 preview. A must listen to as you get ready. D- dare we do steak and a beer tonight for Washington, Chicago? Thursday night football. We might as no, well. That's a, we, we, we can. We might as well. I think I've got a one-game win streak against you. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take the commanders to win tonight. Okay. Believe it or not, if you if you want to go with the Bears, that's that's Danny's advice. Danny's advice: take the Bears, and I'll go against him. I'll take the Commanders if you want the Bears. Do I? I get a point. It's minus one Washington. Okay, I'll give you a point. Okay, fine. It's good. It's a point. Bang. Do it. I will take Chicago, and I'll get me a whopping point. <laughs> I have. I will wake up tomorrow and see if I owe you a steak and a beer or not. Works for me. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. And we'll see you at the Hale Varsity Club tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.